You're listening to the One Peter Five podcast. It is a real joy for us to welcome you all here. Rebuilding Catholic culture, restoring Catholic tradition. Hello and welcome to the One Peter Five podcast, episode number 52. My name is Steve Skojak and I will be your host for the day. And there's a lot going on, which is why, yes, I'm podcasting again after a couple of months. Uh, podcasts, I apologize. I have a really hard time getting to the audio video stuff. It takes longer to produce, it takes longer to plan. It's easier to be in the flow of articles and things like that. And uh, I don't have any lackeys. I don't have any minions who can do that stuff for me. So uh, I back burner things until I need to talk to you in a different way. And today I thought this is what needs to happen. First of all, it's a Friday. Secondly, there's no way I could write an article that comprehensively covers a lot of what's going on. And and I can't even comprehensively cover it in this format. But I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, At least the most important developments at the Amazon Synod this week. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Today's going to be a bit of a monologue. I don't have a guest. Um... It's just me getting this stuff out to you because I want you to understand what's happening. Um, Before I do that, I'm going to remind you that we are currently in our October fundraising. It is the 18th of the month. We're more than halfway through. We are not at 50% of our monthly goal. We need this. We're hiring new writers. We're we're adding people all the time. Some of our, uh, our writers are paid. Our featured writers are paid, and we try to pay them fairly. We're trying to add more. Um, so we need to be able to keep the fundraising going so that we can keep doing what we're doing. So if you're interested in supporting us, if you get value out of our work, our business model is this, we make stuff, we give it to you for free and we say, please pay us if you like it, if it's good, if you think it's worth your time. Um, you know, it would be fantastic if you enjoy this podcast, our articles, the different things that we do, throw in a buck or two. Uh, just go to onepeter5.com forward slash donate. There's a link, uh, on the, the homepage there is pop-ups that annoy everybody, including me, uh, because we have to stay funded in order to keep working. And so I'm just going to throw that out there. OnePeter5.com forward slash donate. Make a contribution. You can send it by mail. You can do it online. If you can do a recurring, that's best because then we know, oh, we've got money coming in next month and we're going to be able to pay the bills. So that'd be great. Now let's get to the Amazon stuff. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is currently have... Gosh, I don't even know. I have, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine windows open just on Synod stuff right now. Um, and each of those contain a significant amount of information. A lot of this stuff is actually happening on Twitter, which is interesting. Um, Twitter is the place to go these days if you want news in real time. It's um, this everything sort of unfolds there. Twitter is a weird platform. Twitter is a, a hostile platform. There's one Twitter account that you should be following uh, if you're not following it yet, and that is Catholic Sat. If you are on Twitter and you want to know what's going on at the Synod, this is the one account that I recommend that you follow above and beyond all else. It's the little at sign and then the word Catholic sat, like satellite dish, just sat. Catholic sat, all one word. I'll put it on the screen here just so you can see it. I don't know who this guy is, but he's phenomenal. He's in Rome. 
I know that much from interaction with him. Uh, he produces coverage of things that are going on in Rome, just phenomenal coverage, insightful, manages to get video clips, distills things down, uh, really to the most important pieces of information. One of the best uh, sources of information on all these goings on that's out there. And he's been summarizing the small groups uh, today. Um, going through some of the stuff that I'm looking at right now. Italian Group A, quote, The church has the mission to announce Jesus Christ in the Amazon. To evangelize is to make the kingdom of God present in the world. Therefore, it is the task of the church to present the good news of Jesus and his kingdom in the Amazon. Interesting side note here. So there was a piece that came out earlier this month um, in uh, Sandro Magister's blog on uh, La Espresso. Uh, I think that's, yeah, Espresso is the site that it's on. Um, and it was a priest, a missionary priest who was actually asked by Francis to come to the synod. And he made the case that it seems that the church in a lot of these, uh, missionary regions of Latin America in particular, um, seems to have become like an NGO, like a social worker organization. They're focused on, on doing works for the poor and things like that, but they're not doing any evangelizing. And that the unique problem that Latin America is facing is that it's not inspiring vocations because they're not actually teaching them the faith. They're not teaching them the gospels. And that, you know, the novelty that could be introduced uh, to that region would be to just talk about Jesus. I mean, it's a crazy thing. Interestingly, it's the Pope who's constantly fighting back against proselytization. You know, proselytization is just trying to convince people to become your religion, right? That's what it really is. And the Pope doesn't want anybody to be convinced. He thinks witness is enough or whatever it is that he thinks. You know, there's that story that came out, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago about a woman who I believe she was uh, from India. And she met with Pope Francis and she presented to him two people who were with her who were converts from Hinduism, if I recall. And she was very proud and she was telling the Pope, you know, look, converts, you know, this is great. And he wound up telling this story of, of this meeting he had with this young woman. And, and he expressed bitterness that he felt like she was presenting converts as a trophy and, and you know, proselytism is bad and all this stuff. It's like he was upset that, that people were converting to the true faith. So that attitude that he espouses is the problem in the Amazon, according to this priest, but the priest isn't pointing the finger at the Pope. I was looking to see if I could uh, find it here uh, as I'm talking. Let's pull it up. Uh, yeah, L'Espresso. The date of the post was October 12th. And his conclusion was pretty stunning. I want to read it to you. Just a little scrolly action here. There we are. Um, he says, A Christian community that does not generate priestly and religious vocations is a community affected by some spiritual illness. We can ordain the viri probati, uh, these proven men, this term that we see thrown around a lot, like elder men, men who are established in their marriages and stuff. Um, and we can ordain others, but the basic problems will remain. An evangelization without the gospel, a Christianity without Christ, a spirituality without the Holy Spirit. Logically, in the horizontal vision of the dominant culture in which God is absent or reduced to some symbolic, cultural, or moral concept, 
it is impossible for a young person to come to appreciate the fruitful spiritual and pastoral value of priestly celibacy as a precious gift of God and of the total and sublime disposition of love and service to the church and humanity. There will be authentic priestly vocations only when an authentic, demanding, free, and personal relationship is established with the person of Christ. Perhaps it is very simplistic, but in my view, this is still the priest speaking, in my view, the new path for the evangelization of the Amazon is the novelty of Christ. The novelty of actually preaching Christ to people instead of just acting like, I don't know, the Salvation Army or the Soup Kitchen or whatever it is that they're doing down there. Clearly, uh, they respect the culture of the people to the extent that they don't even evangelize them because they feel that that's racist and xenophobic and insulting, which is, I think the best word for that is just bullcrap. That's what that is. So going back to the summaries of what's happening in Rome with these working groups, one of the first things we see from the Italian group is that uh, they say that canon law allows the Holy See to request a dispensation from the impediment in the sacrament of the order of a legitimately and validly married law. So they're quoting canon law, 1047, section 2.3, reminding that canon law allows the Holy See to dispense married men from an impediment to receiving holy orders. So they're pushing married priests right out of the starting gate. Um, They also mentioned that the permanent diaconate, which was reestablished after Vatican II, Uh, They say it shows that it's possible to effectively assume a pastoral, sacramental, and family commitment in the church. So uh, married deacons is the model in their view of uh, how this could work. Um, They say that they did mention that everyone recognizes that celibacy in the church is a gift and should be recognized. I'm sorry, should be uh, proposed and recommended to Amazon populations. So that's a plus. Um, And then they pivot to, we want uh, the ministry of lector and acolyte to be conferred on women. I don't even understand what the status of lector and acolyte are in the modern church. They were part of minor orders. Minor orders were done away with. Now they're referring to it as a ministry, but I don't know what sort of capacity and form that takes. Is it official? Is it, I don't, I don't have any idea. I mean, I was a lector when I was a kid going to the Nova Sordo. I was a teenager. I used to read at mass. Um, nobody treated it as a ministry with me. It's like, here's the book and this is where you read it and go do it. And that was it. It was, there was nothing formal about it. So I don't know what's going on with trying to institute some formal, uh, participation of women, um, in Lecter and Acolyte. Acolyte, obviously, though, it's more altar girls, but this has been happening since the 90s. John Paul II, let it happen. So I, there's there's no way to know what they actually think and, and what the rules are anymore. It's just weaponized ambiguity 24-7. Let's see what else. Mm. Another Italian group uh, said that there is a proposal out there to undertake uh, the path of a new Amazonian rite. Now, they're not using the word mass, but an Amazonian rite would be a rite of, of liturgy, um, which they say would allow us to develop under the spiritual, theological, and liturgical aspect and to discipline the singular riches of the Catholic Church in the Amazon. Bullcrap. Um, they, we, just, we don't need an Amazonian rite. Why is that even a thing? I don't know. 
Um, let's see what else here. I don't. Does anybody know what Cosmovision is? It sounds like, like in the 1950s, you know, they were advertising some new uh, television that was like, you know, an in-depth experience. Welcome to Cosmovision, where we can see 24 channels, not only in black and white, but also Technicolor. Cosmovision. So the Amazon Cosmovision, according to Italian Group B, has so much to teach the Western world, which is dominated by technology, very often at the service of the idolatry of money. It's nice that they're talking about idolatry at the Synod. They're just not talking about the Pacamama kind, the idolatry that's actually, you know, idols, graven images that people are bowing and scraping before in the Vatican Gardens, because that's a good look for the church. That's a good idea. Um, let's see what else have we got in this uh, little goodie bag of theological neo... I, I don't even know what I'm saying. Theological newness. It's newness. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. That's... Okay. Enculturation. Um, oh, here's, here's one against proselytizing because we can't try to convert people. Remember, um, the explicit announcement of the resurrection of Christ after an adequate time of closeness and sharing of life without any form of proselytizing is a great asset for the peoples of the Amazon. These are empty phrases. I don't feel that they carry any actual meaning. So you want to explicitly announce the resurrection of Christ after an adequate time of closeness, whatever that means, and sharing of life. Do you do you have to eat like 15 meals with them? Do you need to marry with them and have their children? I don't know. Um, but then no proselytizing. You just kind of announce explicitly that Christ is risen. And that's, I guess, a great asset for the, for the peoples of the Amazon. Okay, moving on. Um... Let's see, more on an Amazonian right. Uh, more on an Amazonian right. Portuguese group um, explicitly asks the Holy Father to admit in the pan-Amazon region men to the priestly ministry and women to the diaconate, preferably indigenous, who are respected by the community. So here we are seeing very Prabhati uh, extended to this... Um, wasn't it uh, Lobinger who had this idea of the elders, both men and women in the community, um, being put into these roles? But we see here is the first women in the diaconate in this, this grab bag of garbage. Um, let's see, the next thing, more Amazonian rights. Ooh, preferential option for the poor. If you have that on your bingo card, make sure you put that chip down. Taking care of our common home. There's another one for your bingo card. Uh, respect for the common house and ecological sins. Your bingo card is filling up fast thanks to the Portuguese group. They actually, they actually are talking about ecological sins. See, include within moral theology respect for the common house and ecological sins by reviewing the manuals and rituals of the sacrament of penance. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I put the thermostat in my house at 72 in the summertime. 
what what is this world that we live in that this is where we think the sins are? God forbid we deal with the real sins. I mean, now that the adulterers can receive Holy Communion... So here's the question, and this came up the other day in a discussion on Twitter. If people don't recycle, can they still receive communion if they're divorced and remarried, according to the logic of Amoris Laetitia? I don't know. I think it's a question they should take up. Uh, now, now another piece on the very... These are just tweets I'm reading through. These are summaries of what the groups are proposing. It is considered necessary in the Pan-Amazon the ordination of Viri Prabhati. So another vote for married men. Another one about the permanent diaconate. And this is, we believe the same argument is valid for creating a diaconate for women in the church. Of course it is. This is um, to Portuguese group, another Portuguese group saying, to deepen the theme of ministeriality. I love these words. Cosmovision, ministeriality. And the various possibilities regarding the diaconate, very pravati, women, married priests, the protagonism of the lay people, especially women. It's, a, it's an affirmative action church. The one Portuguese group, D, reaffirms the value of celibacy. Uh, so that's cool. Somebody reaffirmed the value of celibacy. But then they pivot immediately and says, the listening prior to the synod expressed the desire to confer very pravati, priestly ordination, as well as the ministry of diaconia for women. These two points call for further maturing and thought. Further maturing. Does anybody speak like this? Do you know anybody who speaks like this? I don't know anybody who speaks like this. Uh, more about women's service in the church because quotas. And then uh, they want more beatification of the martyrs in Amazonia and blah, blah. I can't read any more of this. You probably don't want to hear any more of this either. But I'm, I'm seeing, again, women instituted as lectors and acolytes and the permanent diaconate. They're going to push this. They are going to push this until it, it, can't, <laughs> it can't happen. I mean, it's part of holy orders. It's never been done. But they're going to keep pushing it. And I don't know what kind of weird hybridized thing they're going to do. I'm literally at a point where I no longer feel that I have any idea of where the, the boundaries are. Because every time I think there is one, they just trample it. Okay, so that's what's going on over there at the Synod right now. And just the, the, the liberal songs of joy. So I see uh, one of the priests I follow on Twitter says, uh, Sister Natalie, a consultor to the Secretariat, boasts the following of this Synod. Through the last synod on youth and the current synod for the Amazon, we see the same church on the move, a relational church, an inclusive church, a dialogal church. Doesn't she mean dialogical? A discerning church, a missionary church, a polyhedric church. We haven't heard the polyhedron thing. That was a Francis one, like the church is a dodecahedron or something, probably. A generative church, a synodal church. Hashtag Sino, Sinodo Amazonico. We are talking about the Amazon Synod and we must hashtag with the Sinodo Amazonico because uh, that is what we must do. So let's see. What else we got going on? Um, Pope Francis said yesterday, uh, or at least sometime this week, it was reported in uh, Spanish 
language daily, religion digital. Uh, that is, that's like a French accent, and I'm doing Spanish. No sé por qué. Um, but it was reported that he was going to be intervening in the Synod and participating, but he was going to follow the lead of the Synod Fathers, just be one of the Synod Fathers and not have his interventions and statements published, which is convenient for him. Uh, because, you know, he's just like everybody else, just one of the guys, just one of the dudes, just hanging out with the bros. Uh, of course, we all know that it doesn't matter what they come up with at the Synod because he has the final say. And, you know, at the, at the family synods, he didn't even care that they voted against stuff. He was like, nope, I want it. It's going through. So it's very, um, very silly and, tran- well, it's not transparent, but it's transparently ridiculous. Uh, let's put it that way. We got everybody's favorite youth minister, Rich Raho, out there saying that Pope Francis has said God doesn't want us to, quote, evaluate events and people according to the categories of the pure and the impure, but to learn to go beyond, to look at the person and the intentions of a person's heart, overcoming all forms of particularism. So no more putting people in categories of pure and impure, guys. Let it go. Sexual sins are not that important. Remember, he said they're, they're, they're the least of the sins, right? You got the Portuguese group out there quoting Hans Kung. So he's made a reappearance on the scene. Quote, there will be no peace in the world if there's no peace between religions. This is a point that actually somebody brought up the other day. I don't remember where I saw it. Uh, you know what it was? It was a Marco Tassati post. Uh, it was a guest uh, article from a priest who wrote in, and he said that this thing about Francis denying, allegedly denying the divinity of Christ. If we really look at religious indifferentism, if we look at what it takes for all religions to be the same, to be treated equally, you have to deny the, the divinity of Christ because the divinity of Christ, the incarnation of God, the second person of the Trinity as a man, it erases the claims of all other religions. If that happened, they're all false. And I mean, this is an obvious thing. It should be an obvious thing. But to think about why there's a connection between this, this ridiculous leveling of the playing field between religions and the Vatican uh, being indifferentist and syncretistic and pluralistic about religion, you can't really believe that Jesus is who he said he was because that's the only way. Like He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing else. So there is a connection between those two things. And um, we're going to see that connection, I think, become more clear. Raymond Arroyo tweets, As was clear from the start, the Amazon Synod was never a random group of bishops, but a select group chosen with intent. It is hardly a surprise that the majority support ordaining married men and female deacons. Now Pontifex will... That's the Pope's Twitter handle, Pontifex. Now Pontifex will have to decide the path forward. And so he's citing uh, Austin Ivory. Everyone's favorite papal sycophant. Ivory says um, in his little summary, he has me blocked. I have to open his tweets in an incognito window. Um, But he's all up in the biz over there, and he's on the ground. So he says, reading of 12 small group synod reports shows, A, very per body, six, yes. Three, want more study. Rest, do not mention. B, women deacons, four, yes. Three, want more study. Rest, no mention plus various calls to open minor orders uh, to women. So he's talking about minor orders, which don't exist anymore, but that's what I was asking about Acolyte and Lecter, 
for Amazonian right and local bishop's body. He goes on to say, and this is a critical observation, what's striking is the absence of opposition to calls for viri probati and women deacons, though half the groups are hesitant or agnostic. Nobody is saying no to this. Nobody who is involved is throwing up their hands and saying, stop, this is not what the church wants, this is not what the church needs, this is totally flies in the face of the perennial discipline of the church, and in, in St. Paul's exhortations in the scriptures, in Trent's uh, elevation of consecrated virginity as a, as a higher state of life, uh, you know, you, you would be anathematized for saying that consecrated virginity isn't the higher state, but it, none of this matters anymore. They're throwing it all out. And the fact that nobody who's participating in this is opposing it could be one of two things. One, actually, I would say three things. One, uh, they're afraid. They're afraid to speak out. Two, uh, they were selected by this pope and by those who work with him on this agenda. And so, yeah, of course, they're going to toe the line because they're handpicked guys. You know, that's what they're there for. The third option is that they just... Um, actually agree with it. They think that it's fine. They think that this is where the church needs to go. And uh, wow, that recycling truck that's out there is just slamming things around. Just, you know, just gonna, this is, this is the real travails of recording from a home studio. Okay. So I, you know, no opposition. Opposition is all coming from us. And so they try to marginalize us as much as possible. And they trash traditionalists and they, you know, as one guy said the other day, the only people who care about this uh, idolatry stuff that's going on in the Vatican is dumb American trad media. I want to get, I want to make secure, like, you know how people wear those shirts, uh, security at concerts wear those like dark blue shirts with the yellow letters that say security and so everybody knows. I just want to make a shirt like that. This is dumb American trad media because we're basically the security forces of the church. That's all we got. The only one standing up to this, and it doesn't matter. Our voices, uh, I mean, it does matter, but who's listening? What are we stopping? It's like, it's a runaway train. The Synod is roughly halfway through, and um, pretty much everything that we expected that they were going to touch on has been touched on. So what now? This is the part of... This is the part of the show where there's dead air because I don't even know what to say. This is such a bizarre thing that we're watching going on. The four men named as the pontiff's personal choices uh, to work on this final document, which, let's be honest, it's probably already been written. I mean, I'm just guessing, but they like to do that. Four men are Cardinal Christoph Schönborn, uh, the arch, uh, aristocratic archbishop of Vienna. This is not... Surprising. He shows up a lot in this papacy. He was obviously the uh, sort of promulgator and enforcer for Amoris Laetitia when it came out. Uh, Schönborn is particularly interesting relating to the things going on at the Amazon Synod because he uh, has come out in favor of uh, the female diaconate, for one. Uh, but he started actually pushing last year the idea that a council needs to revisit uh, the question of women's ordination to the priesthood. Push an extreme idea, pull it back a little bit, and then it sounds more reasonable. People are like, well, at least you're not ordaining women priests. Well, 
they want to ordain women to the diaconate. And this has come out uh, quite a bit, actually, in some of the working groups, the small groups at the Synod. Uh, Bishop Marcelo Sanchez Sarando, the Argentinian Chancellor of the Pontifical Academy for Sciences, that guy is a piece of work. You probably haven't heard much about him. I'll, I'll tell you a little more about him in a minute. Archbishop Edmundo Panciano Valenzuela Malid of uh, Paraguay, and the Italian Father Rosano Sala. Um, so Dorothy Cummings McLean kind of breaks this down a little bit. Says the other five members of the group that will create the final document include German-Brazilian Synod General Relator Cardinal Claudio Hames. He's been the architect of this thing from the beginning. He and Bishop Erwin Krautler have really been building this thing from day one. Uh, and Hummus is a huge pusher of the ordination of the Viri Prabadi. Uh, Synod General Secretary Lorenzo Baldessari, who we all know is a um, manipulator-in-chief of, of the Synod proceedings. He's a big part of the reason why Ed Penton had to write the book on the rigging of the Vatican Synod relating to the family synods. The Maltese pro-secretary general Bishop Mario, uh, I don't know if it's Gretsch or Grech, how you pronounce it, G-R-E-C-H. I've never heard it pronounced, but um, that guy, that guy's the guy who was rumored to have threatened his own priests, uh, removing their faculties if they didn't toe the line on their the liberal Maltese uh, take on Amoris Laetitia and communion for the divorced and remarried. We did a story on that a couple of years ago. Um... And two special secretaries, Cardinal Michael Cerny, S.G.A. of Canada, and Spanish-born Bishop David Martinez de Aguirre Guinea of Peru. So 13 men, therefore, she writes, are responsible for the drafting of the final document of the Synod. It'll be voted on by the bishops participating in the Synod, and two non-ordained male religious then given to Pope Francis, and he will then use or not use the document as he prefers. It's a consultative process, and the sole function is to advise the pontiff. So we know about Schönborn. I've talked about Hummus and, and, and Grek and Baldessari. And I don't know much about Cerny, but I feel like I've heard some not-so-good things about him. Sarando, though, is sort of an under-the-radar guy. Um, he's a big climate change guy. Um, he has advocated that Catholics have no more than one or two children. He is super buddy-buddy with the population control advocates who keep showing up at the Vatican, uh, Paul Ehrlich, uh, Jeffrey Sachs. Um, you know, these guys are bad news. These are bad news guys, and they are right in the heart of this, which, you know, is what we expected. That's exactly what we expected would happen. So with that, hey, it's Friday. What are you guys doing this weekend? You doing anything fun? <laughs> What are you doing to take your mind off of this? This is a terrible podcast. This is me not knowing what to say, reading tweets, reading articles, because what? It's time for some refreshing water. So that's the 1 Peter 5 podcast for this episode, number 52. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the 1 Peter 5 Podcast. This has been a production of 1 Peter 5 Incorporated, copyright 2018, all rights reserved. 
If you have downloaded this podcast through iTunes, we encourage you to go there and leave us a review to help others find and enjoy our show. If you would like to support our work, go to onepeter5.com forward slash donate to make a tax-deductible contribution. This not only helps to pay for web hosting and the fine content we provide, but keeps food on our tables, coffee in our cups, and the lights on, which really helps us see what we're doing. Until next time, I'm Steve Skojak. Thanks for listening.